Welcome to the show. My name is Michael Lynn, and this is the MongoDB Podcast. Today, we're exploring ways that technology can have a positive impact on social issues. In today's episode, we talk with Sean Brophy, Manager of Information Services at Rain City Housing, and Mark Clancy, CEO of Igeno, a consultancy that works with Rain City Housing. Focusing on the MongoDB platform, Rain City Housing is a nonprofit organization committed to providing housing, shelter, and support services to individuals experiencing homelessness and substance addiction in Vancouver and surrounding areas. They're guided by principles of integrity, hope, reciprocity, connection, community, diversity, inclusion, and continuous learning. Rain City Housing is making a difference in the lives of those they serve. Sean and Mark share with me today how they're leveraging technology, particularly the MongoDB platform, to improve the operations and impact of Rain City Housing. From automating shift handling to developing business intelligence and analytics tools. They discuss how technology can help organizations like Rain City Housing better serve their communities. In particular, they highlight a data collection system for critical incidents and how it is helping Rain City Housing better support their staff and clients. Join me for an inspiring conversation about the ways technology can be a powerful tool for social good and how Rain City Housing is leading the way in using technology to create positive change for those in need. Stay tuned. Sean Brophy and Mark Clancy, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you both on the show. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us. Welcome. So I wonder if you would, wouldn't mind introducing yourself. Let the folks know who you are and what you do. Let's start with you, Sean. My name's Sean Brophy. I'm the manager of information services at Rain City Housing in Vancouver. We're an agency that deals in housing, shelters, clinical outreach teams, overdose prevention sites, all through the lower mainland in Vancouver, out in the Fraser Valley and up on the Sunshine Coast. We're about 800 employees. So we're a medium-sized organization, primarily funded through uh, the government, BC Housing, and some of the health authorities here. And uh, yeah, my department is responsible for not only all the user support and infrastructure and typical IT stuff that you find in any organization, but also responsible for business intelligence, analytics. We do some software development and uh, all of that realm of getting data into the hands of the people who need it when they need it. Great. Welcome to the show. Mark, Thanks. tell the folks who you are. Uh, thanks. Mark Clancy. I'm the CEO of iGeno. We're a consultancy based in Vancouver that focuses exclusively on the MongoDB platform, and we're a MongoDB partner, mainly doing software development and analytics for great organizations like Green City Housing. Great. Once again, welcome to the show. It's great to have you both. And today we're going to be talking about Rain City, the mission of Rain City, what they're doing with technology and shed a little light on how Rain City is impacting the problem of homelessness. So, Sean, I'm going to throw it to you. Let's talk a little bit about the mission of Rain City Housing. Yes, Rain City Housing started back in the 80s as part of the St. James Society here in Vancouver and eventually split off and became its own organization with its own sort of vision and mission. The motto of Rain City Housing is a home for every person. That's the mission. That's the goal. It's a big goal, obviously. What we do here is we 
are trying to make an impact in our community for the folks who are experiencing homelessness, among other things. A little bit of context about our work. We're in the midst of an opioid poisoning epidemic, which is happening elsewhere in North America too. It's really hit us hard here to give your listeners a bit of context between 2016 and 2022 there was just a little short of 31,000 deaths from opioid poisoning in Canada and about as many hospitalizations we work with folks who are living with chronic substance addiction i'm probably going to talk about drug use a little bit but we're really not talking about recreational users we're talking about folks who have a chronic addiction. So we operate shelters, we operate supportive housing, which is low barrier supportive housing. We operate outreach teams. Some of them are clinical outreach teams that are really focused on getting folks connected with health services, getting them connected with housing, getting them connected with mental health supports, just meeting folks where they're at and and getting them the help that they need. And in addition to that, and we have a big and a growing peer services department. It's led by folks who have lived experience of addiction and they are largely leading our overdose prevention sites, which are, there's a whole bunch of them now and throughout many of our programs. And these are sites where drug users can come in and they can use with someone in the room. And if there's an adverse reaction to that person's drug supply, that they're going to be safe because we have the tools and the training to respond to that in the moment. And that's mostly run by by folks with life experience of varying levels of proximity to addiction and street homelessness. I applaud the mission. I think it's a wonderful thing that, um, that Rain City is doing. I happen Thanks. to be a member of that community. I am a former addicted person. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. I've recovered. It's been nine years. So, I mean, I mentioned that only to relate, but also to, to hopefully end a little bit of the stigma associated with with drug addiction, people do recover. So kudos for the, for the work that you do and that your organization does. And I know it's not an easy task. The problem of homelessness is one that it's pervasive across the globe, not just in BC, not just in Canada, all, all over the world. And so I want to talk about how Rain City is impacting. Now, services is one thing, and that takes personnel. But leveraging technology to increase the impact, how is Rain City leveraging technology? I started doing my technical work for Rain City back in 2016, came from doing frontline work with this organization. And at the time, because we're 24-7 staffed and, and there's a lot of shift handling, we have to have people sitting in the seats at any given time. What we did is we came in and automated the shift handling process, which is, it's not super exciting, but it's software that, that calls folks into work essentially. But from that project, it really became apparent that Rain City was, it was in need of technical innovation. And so what we started doing is we started building out business intelligence and analytics and started using Power BI. And that's when, when Mark connected with our organization early in that, in that process and helped us get started with MongoDB. 
actually. Mm. And if I can jump into our MongoDB sort of use cases, and again, we're, we're dealing with, with a community that's got a pretty close proximity to street homelessness and chronic substance addiction. If you can imagine, like a lot of things happen in the field that we maybe need to keep track of or to escalate to senior folks in the organization to be able to respond to, or even as simple as checking back in with the staff who were on site at the time and making sure that they're okay. And what we did is we developed a data collection system that is capturing information about critical incidents. We're tracking things like response time, um, emergency services. We're tracking what kinds of incidents are taking place. We're tracking naloxone use in the case of an overdose. We're tracking a number of things. We collate that data in MongoDB, and then we are connecting back to it with our BI and, and serving that information out to the senior leaders in the agency, potentially community stakeholders. But in addition to that, we're also flowing information around the agency at the time that the incident occurs so that the right people are getting the information that they need right. at the right time. So Mark, at what point did you begin to get involved with Rain City and how was that connection made? Yes, yeah, so we were introduced through a colleague, one of the data sources that they were working with was a payroll system. So you can imagine with like over 800 employees, there's a lot of payroll data. And Sean knew there could be some interesting insights in that payroll data. So we had done some API work and, and that was really how we got started and were then able to, and from a stack perspective, it was like serverless functions on Azure. And the great thing about Sean and Rain City is very, very open to technology, new technology, innovation. I think the biggest mistake I see with mid-sized organizations is that they're trying to emulate big organizations and they choose too many technologies and they shy away from innovative, newer technologies. And Sean, I think, totally gets that. And by having everything in the cloud, serverless, just really making the dollars be used as efficiently as possible. And instead of buying a bunch of expensive data warehousing technologies using MongoDB, I think that was, it was a really fun time to be working with them. And Sean might speak to some of the kind of accidental uses of that payroll data during COVID. Thanks for reminding me, Mark. We started develop, developing this payroll data set with Mark in order to track time and absenteeism. In a 24-7 staffed agency, there is overtime and it's actually wage and benefits are a huge piece of the funding at Rain City. So trying to control overtime costs, not only does it put the board of directors and the funders at ease, but overtime costs can be indicative of something going on at a housing program that we need to get on top of. By getting on top of this stuff, we're, we are ultimately improving service delivery. Our staff aren't there having been there 16 hours and tired. They're there and rested and, and ready to do the work. And then in COVID, the accidental use of this, this data set was around contact tracing because our staff move from, pro, our, from program to program, especially our casual staff, but really anybody in the agency. And what we were able to do is see who has worked where in proximity to whomever else. And then we can act, we were actually able to go and do several layers of, of contact tracing through that. Wow. And so was that enabling you to minimize the impact of the, of the virus or how did that, how did that have an impact? 
When COVID hit, we were really worried we were going to get hit hard. We have a lot of we have a lot of folks living in our programs who have compromised immune systems. We have a lot of elderly folks in our programs, and so we were really worried that we would get hit hard. And so, by doing so, we were able to stop folks from obviously unintentionally spreading COVID between our housing programs. And from what I understand the health authorities were really on top of that. They would get into our programs and vaccinate everybody if there was a cluster of cases. And uh, yeah, obviously being able to identify staff and stop them moving between programs is a piece of that as well. Yeah. So it's primarily a payroll personnel application. And maybe talk a little bit about the stack. What does the stack look like? When I started back in 2016, we ended up going with with an Azure-based stack. A lot of our services are operating out of Azure app services. In the nonprofit world, you get a lot of free stuff from Microsoft. Microsoft is fantastic about that. And as a registered charity, we get a yearly Azure credit from Microsoft, which is great because it gives us uh, some leeway to experiment with their cloud technologies and see what they can do. And as well as paying for some of the operating costs for the services that have been operating for a while now. I started leveraging Azure right out of the door, the first project. And then when Mark came on board and helped us develop the data warehouse in MongoDB, he had suggested Azure Functions. Now Mark's Azure Functions run in Node.js, or at least they did when Mark was working with us. We run our Azure Functions with NetCore in C-sharp. So we we primarily work in C-sharp in ASP.NET and .NET Core. And then, of course, for for databases, we're using MongoDB for the data warehouse piece. It's, it's an incredibly flexible database technology, which is really suited to our use case because we're always changing in terms of our needs and a little bit of SQL that is behind some of our other technology. And that was MongoDB Atlas, I believe, from the beginning, hosted on Azure as well, I think. so. And when you say flexible, does the document schema does the model change frequently the model does change from time to time documents do change from time to time being able to to change them without breaking a relational model is mm. really convenient for us not having to know all of your data relationships ahead of time has been really convenient as well in terms of being able to build out the the data warehouse on a sort of ad hoc basis. Whereas if you were building a SQL database, you would ideally you would want to know ahead of time what all the data relationships are going to be and how you can reduce duplication and all that. Yeah. So Mark, transitioning to the BI portion of Rain City's infrastructure, how are you leveraging the data in MongoDB Atlas as a part of the analytics play at Rain City? So I guess the architecture, again, I mentioned what an enterprise might do versus what a mid-sized organization. And I think that the big trend in analytics now is these columnar data stores. And in Rain City is, if we had added a columnar data store like Google BigQuery or Amazon Redshift, the trouble is it's one other technology that they would have to use. And the data volumes are large, but they're not so large that I felt that that was going to be a showstopper. And I knew MongoDB could probably support their volume. The sort of the cool thing that Sean and I just started to be aware of is that in MongoDB world, they announced columnar indexing into Mongo, and which I think is just further 
strengthens that decision not to move the data into yet another data source. And so I think currently, Sean, I think is okay with MongoDB and Power BI, but I think as their data volumes increase, that something like the columnar indexing might really help just continue on that path. Now, I had the pleasure of delivering the keynote demo at some recent MongoDB.locals in San Francisco and Dallas, and I got to demo SQL, MongoDB's SQL interface. I'm not sure if you've seen this yet, but I'm curious if that's something that's interesting to you. SQL access from the command line, from API, from any integration, right into your MongoDB database. I've worked with SQL for 30 years and and Mongo pipelines for 10 years. I actually prefer MongoDB if I'm writing a very large query, because I find that when you come back to it a year later, it's much easier to understand what you've done. But there's, it's undeniable that SQL is, it's so widely known. It's a universal, closest we have to a universal language. In analytics, you're tending to push things to more of a row and column type structure anyway. So it is a very useful language. So yeah, I've seen it. I haven't played with it yet, but it, I think it's a smart move. What do people need to know about Rain City, about their use of MongoDB? Where should we go next? Things folks should know about Rain City. When we talk about, when we talk about homelessness and drug addiction, these are hot topics in society. People, one way or another, might have a visceral reaction to that subject matter. I would really like for us to get an opportunity to point folks at some of the various scientific studies that have been done on addiction, on safe supply, that demonstrate that harm reduction-based approaches are scientifically proven to reduce folks' street involvement, to reduce interaction with the criminal justice system, to provide better health outcomes for the individual. The most fiscally prudent way to, to address these kinds of social problems, but also the most compassionate and the most humane. If we can get a chance to point folks at the Naomi study and the Salome study that followed up on Naomi, that would be great. I'm going to let folks know that they should check the show notes for links to those studies. And you mentioned harm reduction. It's something that many folks may not have heard of before, maybe explain what harm reduction is. And I, I want to qualify everything I'm about to say with the fact that I'm not an expert in harm reduction. I've, I've worked in the field for a number of years. and I know a thing or two, but there's some of my colleagues at Rain City who would be far better qualified to answer that question. But in terms of harm reduction, one of the sort of first analogies we make is, is wearing a seatbelt in a car, right? Wearing a seatbelt isn't going to prevent a car crash. It's not going to prevent necessarily you getting injured in a car crash, but it will reduce statistically anyway, the severity of that injury. We like to draw parallels to things like that, or like wearing a helmet when you bicycle, right? There's always, there's risks involved in riding a bike and wearing a helmet just reduces those risks. These are forms of harm reduction. And in the context of chronic substance use, chronic substance addiction, really what we're talking about is meeting folks where they're at in their life and in the process of their addiction and giving them what they need to keep them as healthy as possible. And some of the earliest forms of harm reduction were needle exchanges, right, to prevent the spread of bloodborne diseases, right? Because when folks don't have access to clean equipment, they're reusing old equipment, they're sharing equipment, 
this not only does it harm the individual, but it harms public health as a whole. So really what we're trying to do is, is to get in there and at least prevent some of these, you know, preventable health outcomes for the individual. And in my time in harm reduction, it's really evolved, right? It started with the safe injection site, which is not run by Rain City, but it was the first safe injection site in North America and in Vancouver's downtown east side and evolved into overdose prevention sites in our programs. And if I can point at the safe injection site, which is run by a sister organization to Rain City, this is a point of contact for folks to have access to health services, to have access to detox services. There is a detox right in the building. Folks will come in, they'll use their drugs. If there's an overdose, if there's an opioid poisoning, the nurses on staff there will respond. If the person needs wound care or if they need to go to the hospital, the nurses will they'll help them through that. If the person wants to get into detox, there's staff there that will work with them to get them into the detox that's upstairs. Really, this is expanding on this idea of harm reduction and using harm reduction as a point of contact for health services to get folks the help when they're ready for it. So can you talk a little bit about the impact that Rain City has had on the overall problem? I, I love to understand how MongoDB is being used, but even more importantly, I'd love to understand an organization like Rain City who's leveraging technology for good what impact is that having on the overall problem? How are you helping in that respect? Where to start? If we just go back to the sort of the basics, right? And we think about a person who's experiencing addiction and street homelessness, you know, what's going to be going on in that person's life? Let's ask some questions, right? They're going to be visiting the hospitals. So there might be hospital stays. They're, they're going to be potentially in, in contact with criminal justice system. They might be in and out of jail or in and out of the hospital. And, uh, and so getting somebody inside, even in just into a shelter can, and obviously it's better for the person's health that they're going to be less in and out of hospital. And, and it's going to at least reduce that person's interaction with the criminal justice system. That's really where we start. We get them inside. When we get somebody into a shelter, we're not judging them around where they're at. We're not putting any conditions around their shelter. We're just saying, come on in and we deal with all the other challenges as we go. And this approach has an obvious impact on the individual. You get somebody off the street and inside and the outcomes are demonstrably better for them, right? They're not ending up in the hospital. They're not sleeping out in the rain on the street. That is, is pretty much obvious. Maybe mention sort of the scale of just how many people you're housing. I think that really impressed me. Like I had no idea that Rain City is sort of the very trusted partners that government knows that if they try to do some of this stuff that they often, the money just gets wasted. And so they They've really put a lot of faith into Rain City's capabilities, which I think is shown in the scale of the operation. Yeah, I can definitely talk to the scale. We have 25-ish housing, shelter, and outreach teams all through the Lower Mainland, the Sunshine Coast, and the Fraser Valley. There's, I couldn't even tell you how many, how many folks we're housing. It's, it's got to be in the thousands. And we have a degree of expertise in 
housing folks in a housing first harm reduction context that the government really just doesn't have the expertise to, to deliver these kinds of services. And I hate to like, like getting back at the sort of fiscal side of things like dehumanizes that, that process a little bit, because at the end of the day, we are dealing with folks' lives and, and really trying to lift people up and really trying to, we view housing as a human right at Rain City. To the listener, like if you're skeptical, ask yourself the question, is the hospital stay going to be more expensive than a shelter stay as a taxpayer, right? And the fact of the matter is not only is it better for public health to, to, to be offering harm reduction services, not only is it better for the taxpayer to get folks out of hospitals and into apartments, but it's, all, it's also the most compassionate. It's also the option that is the most respects folks' right to housing as a human being. I want to thank you both for spending time with me. This has been a great discussion. I wish you well on the mission. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Michael. Really appreciate it. And yeah, it was fun. Thanks so much to Mark and Sean for joining me today, and thanks to you, the listeners. Hope you were inspired by our conversation. The work that Rain City Housing is doing is a reminder that technology can be a powerful tool for social good. Organizations like Rain City Housing are leading the way in using technology to create positive change in our communities. I'd like to encourage you to learn more about Rain City Housing and the ways that they are making a difference for those experiencing homelessness and substance addiction in Vancouver and the surrounding areas. Check out raincityhousing.org for more information. And as always, thanks for listening to the MongoDB podcast.